0: Hey guys and gals, welcome to Liberty Wakanda, a.k.a. Electric Liberty Land, episode number 210. Before we get into the show, I want to tell you about a little program called the Matthew Spazedi program. Uh, Matthew's a fan of our show. He reached out to me uh, expressing... His love and affection, as more of you should do, honestly. But I want to tell you a little bit about his podcast, which I uh, I'm checking out. I'm digging it mostly because Matthew focuses on more of the financial side of things. You know, he gets into his own personal journey to financial freedom. Meanwhile, he also touches on current economics, a- economic principles, how they're going to play out in your daily life, and of course, achieving that financial independence and freedom that we all are striving for. And as we get into 2021. That may be something that we need way more than we think, because at any time, government might stop sending those checks. You might get laid off. God knows what's going on in my business, in my wife's business or anything else. So check out the Matthew Spositi program available anywhere your podcasts are heard. And of course, you can follow Matt on Twitter, Parlor and Locals at Matthew Spositi, S-P-O-S-I-T-I. All right, let's get into the show. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty, with your host, Brian McWilliams. Welcome, 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 everybody, to a very special episode of Electric Liberty Land, a curse-free episode, if you can believe it. I don't know if I believe it. We'll see how it goes with the episode, but I am striving to make this cursing free, mainly because, as promised, this will be an episode where I actually use my expertise in communications. Uh, As many of you know, I'm a communications professional and have been for uh, almost two decades now here in lovely Los Angeles. And as such, I picked up quite a few skills when it comes to messaging, branding, and messaging strategy. And man, after witnessing what the LP has done for the last several years, and especially coming to a head during the Jorgensen campaign, I wanted to focus on an episode and apply my skills to what I think we need to do with the Liberty message in 2021. Now, this is a broad-based, broad-stroke approach, because I'm not getting paid to do this, as you know. I mean, I'm getting paid a pittance to do this podcast. Way more would be required for me to go by beat by beat and break down the entire Liberty platform and every possible contingency that came up. So there will be certain topics that I'm going to get into, the top of the list kind of things. There's certain things I'm not necessarily going to get into because I either don't think that we are equipped to address them in short form, and by that I mean... And I'll get into this a little bit more later. But by that, I mean that there are certain topics where it doesn't behoove us as libertarians to go out of our way to bring up, to attack, to make a focal point of our platform and what we're trying to do communicatively. Because when you start to do that, especially if it's on a social media platform, especially if you're in an argument in a short form, you are not going to win the argument. Plain and simple. You're just not going to. All it's going to do is kind of reinforce the negative stereotypes that people have about libertarians, which again, I will get into in a moment. Because I've broken this down into a couple different categories. One, start off with the challenge, what we view as problems with the libertarians and the libertarian party, the overall conception that people have for libertarians and the brand. Then get into the solution and breaking down do's and don'ts for messaging. Uh, what I call making liberty likable and taking uh, another view of how the Libertarian Party and how libertarians are choosing to spend their money when they support liberty-related items. Primarily, the last section focuses really on uh, money being spent by the party, so people that donate to local or predominantly the national party Where's that money going to? What's it being spent on? Because I have some ideas on that. I think it'll be far more effective than what is currently being done. So, and then I got some key takeaways. I'm going to see how long this takes. You know, I uh, if I'm sitting down at a board meeting, giving a presentation like this, again, it would be a little bit more nuanced, but I put a good, I'd say a good... Yeah, four hours into thinking about this, putting it down on paper so I can deliver it to you guys, and uh, as such, I am hoping that you will take it in, weigh it. I'd be curious to see what the feedback on this is. If you would, uh, you know, you can find me on social media at Brian McWilliams, or of course at Lines of Liberty. You can join the Lines of Liberty forum where I will be uh, posting this, and I'll also post it around in a couple other places. I'll probably share it to We Are Libertarians. I'll probably share it to the Mises Caucus pages. Try to get a wide spectrum of opinion on my concept for what we need to do. And I know there will be some opposition. I I know for a fact there will to certain aspects of it uh, from both sides of the liberty spectrum. And I ask that you guys, if you do agree, or even if you just agree with most of it, share the show. Please, please, please share the show. Like I said, I am not going to be cursing, and that specific reason I'm not going to curse going off brand for me (laughs) is because I want this to be able to be listened to by anybody. I don't want to scare away the straights. I want to make sure that anybody can listen to this all the way through, that they can get the message I'm trying to convey and that it can be shared anywhere without fear of somebody saying, hey, that joke about X, Y, and Z in the elevator with the X, Y, and Z was inappropriate. And my children are scarred forever. So, without further ado, let's get into what I have dubbed the Liberty Messaging Strategy Manifesto 2021, a new approach. Now, like I said, I'm going to start off with the challenges that I feel we have as libertarians and the Libertarian Party has. Now, I'll list these pretty quickly. Number one, I think this is a probably predominantly... The issue that we face more than anything and nips in the bud much of what we try to tell people, and a lot of what we're trying to teach is we have an image as being uncaring and out of touch with reality. We also have a problem with being considered fundamentally uncool, right? I mean, when's the last time, other than Ron Swanson, who even though it was written into a show by a bunch of lefties, actually had a quite a likable character. He was confident, he was uh, funny, and he was a force to be reckoned with. That's the type of thing that we need to see more of, but I'll get into that later. But We are fundamentally uncool and have that common connotation when people refer to libertarians. We are virtually invisible in pop culture, when portrayed in a positive light, with the exception I just mentioned, uh, within music, within writing, within comedy, and entertainment, with a few specific exceptions I'll mention later. The woke and wokeism messages that have been adopted as of late by many of the Libertarian Party, trying to piggyback off of left left, uh, causes and left statements, have failed miserably. So we have a huge challenge in that we've alienated 50% of the country that may be more um, open to concepts of liberty, i.e. the right, who I have personally found to be far more uh, convertible, far more interested in what we have to say, and far more open to having a dialogue about issues that they're concerned with coming from a liberty perspective than the left. However, because the libertarian Party has adopted these leftist wokisms, we have now alienated that part of the country in addition to alienating many libertarians such as myself, which is what inspired this very episode. Next, uh, aligning with the GOP, right? If we choose to do that, let's say we have a Rand Paul out there, right? who is Republican, he is a libertarian-leaning Republican. Same thing with Thomas Massey, same thing with Mike Lee, same thing with uh, Justin Amash, who of course now is independent and libertarian party, but he, I believe, is not seeking re-election. But we have an alignment with the GOP and currently in the toxic environment that exists between two-party system, even though there are independents out there, you still have record numbers of people voting straight ticket, right? We had Donald Trump get more votes for any than any other president in history except for Joe Biden if <laughs> again if uh, if the numbers are to be believed so if you alienate 50% of the country by virtue of simply labeling yourself a republican even though there can be arguments made to say especially on let's say a local level that you need to align one way or the other predominantly you would go with the the GOP side of things and that's the only way you can get elected so is presumed well Fine, but as far as a national branding, as far as a, an overall messaging standpoint, aligning with the GOP basically assures that people are going to look at you, they are going to associate you with Republicans, and discount you immediately. We all know how many times you've had a conversation with a never-Trumper or a uh, Trump derangement syndrome-inflicted person who is immediately upon you disagreeing with Joe Biden or a platform that the left has put forward, or let's say Kamala Harris, a noted police officer, Kamala Harris, has immediately said, oh, well, you probably just support Trump. You're a Trumper. And then they stop listening to you. They basically ignore anything else that comes out of your mouth. This is the problem when we have with aligning with GOP causes. So what we need to do is get back to basics when it comes to messaging and stop trying to piggyback. The next thing we have to note that Donald Trump gained two times the minority support uh, than any other Republican candidate in history. He doubles his support among black males, Hispanic males, black women, Hispanic women. Meanwhile, we can see the Libertarian Party and Libertarians as a whole, with, with a few exceptions, are predominantly white, predominantly male, predominantly straight. That is a challenge. We have to find out how to reach those people. And the other challenge is that we are viewed as irrelevant. Now, when you look at Joe Jorgensen and her last campaign run, when you look at the media coverage that came her way, virtually zero, zilch, nada, she was an utter non-factor. The votes that she got, I know, will say people will say, oh, she got 1%, but there was record voter turnout. So that's really like the same amount Gary Johnson got. That's fine, but really it's probably less and there's a lot of attrition. People went towards Donald Trump over Gary Johnson. People that used to be Ron Paul supporters went for Donald Trump this time around or went for Bernie Sanders because they are looking for strong, aggressive leadership. Doesn't always have to be saying everything that they agree with, but they need somebody with a very specific, very consistent point of view based upon, well, again, Donald Trump, actually I can't even give Donald Trump the credit of being consistent. He was very strong-willed and confident in the way that he approached things and how he said things. And, as I'll mention a little bit later on, people gravitate towards that. 70% of the GOP voters said they want politicians to be like Donald Trump. Yes, that is the reality we live in. But we are viewed... When you say libertarian as irrelevant, we are viewed as nothing more than party breakers or, uh, you know, if being blamed for Donald Trump losing votes to Joe Biden and XYZ because libertarians voted for, you know, for, for Joe Jorgensen, who would have voted, all this, all this nonsense. But now is the perfect time to change that. So what is the solution to that? Well, I would say it's to change the way libertarianism is viewed via fundamental alterations in strategy and messaging from the ground up. Now, this is a wholesale rethinking of how we enact liberty. Libertarianism must be inspirational, effective, indoctrinated, and infuse a religious type of deliverance message. And I'll explain that later. So I know people are hearing that and going, I don't know, but with a head nod to Vin Armani, who has been a fantastic guest on our podcast It was recently on it, he had a very good point, and I agree with him completely, in that when you look at the left and you look at the right, they have a religious fervor. The right is quite literally based in a religious basis, and the left has adopted this kind of cult mentality and an evangelical approach to their causes, which is why it's so hard to break through. So let's get through and talk about some messaging do's and don'ts for 2021. So these are the issues that I think can be boons for a recruitment or trouble spots, i.e. bake the cake. The Civil Rights Act that do not help us to be brought up or to try to dive in on those discussions, even to try to defend them, is almost an exercise in futility and can hurt us more than help us. Because until there's a broader understanding of what libertarian, libertarianism is— And what it means, fundamentally, we cannot have these arguments. You need to have somebody have a basic understanding of what we do, what we stand for, and where we're coming from before you can get into these types of conversations, or else it will simply be gotcha moment after gotcha moment, even if they aren't gotchas. It will just be them saying, you're uncaring, you're racist, you're bigoted, whatever the catchphrases might be that they use to diffuse any arguments that don't completely coincide with their worldviews, they will bring those up and use them on you, which is why there are certain points that have to be avoided. Now, this is classic messaging strategy and classic public relations strategy. When somebody's taking on an interview, when they're going on television, where they're going to you know, to do virtually anything, where it's a Q&A or there could be some kind of pushback, you want to avoid your soft spots. So here's some of the things that I have mapped out or I, I'm thinking that we need to avoid. So again, uh, and actually let me go back real quick, but in the short term, Right now, In the short term I'm talking about, these These can be avoided because people need to be brought into the thinking. And of course, in the, in the short term, looking back in the last three years, the Libertarian Party was a classic case study in trying to have it all and getting nothing when it came to their messaging because of these pitfalls and because people can see through and see a, a blatant piggybacking off of a concept in order to try to win people over when really fundamentally they know that this is not not going to align with their sensibilities or is not a winning argument in a short format. So, messaging from the Libertarian Party embraced woke narratives that had no hope of landing. I can give you examples, the praise of Kamala Harris saying, oh, finally, good to see a female VP in there. This was a classic mistake because, simply put, even if you're saying, okay, well, we're 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 taking uh, the woke leftism uh, and saying, go women. You know, that's a libertarian thing. We're not, that's just, not, the left doesn't own that. Okay, fine. But at the same time, you need to realize who your enemy is and what's going on. By saying, go Kamala, you're the best, instead of simply straight out attacking her, which came subsequently, by the way, well after the initial tweet of, hey, go Kamala, girl power. Now we have another VP of, it's a female in the race, whoopah. The subsequent attack was lost. All people saw was the initial hooray for Kamala Harris. Now, the intent of this was to show that the Libertarian Party has a female candidate and that we welcome another female into the race. Now, this is a mistake because anybody that would be impressed by that message is already voting for Kamala Harris. Now, the Libertarian Party has some differentiating features that I'm going to get into a little bit later. But you can see why this specific kind of woke is thinking, this specific type of approach is bound to fail. The same thing when you talk about Spike Cohen, he will often talk about the trans issue and going out there on a dubious claim that trans women were being murdered at some outstandingly insane rate. This breaks down quite easily under scrutiny. But at the same time, by going out and making the trans issue somehow tying it in and making it a, a liberty flashpoint doesn't make fundamental sense. Because number one, it's not something that we've been on the forefront, you know, fighting for. It hasn't, it's been a recently adopted trend. Now, the libertarian party has been on the front of the forefront of LGB rights forever, something we should own. But by saying, oh, well, we need to focus on, on every campaign stop on trans women being murdered, again, you're not going to lure anybody from the left to your thinking with that statement because they already have a home on the left, on the far left, more or less that has adopted that, that has already been out there fighting and canceling people over it. All you risk is people rolling their eyes that might otherwise listening to you and immediately discount what you're saying because you have now lumped yourself in with the far left movement. Does not make sense. Same thing we talk about, Black Lives Matter support. There were several tweets coming out of the LP talking about that. We had Joe Jorgensen uh, you know, praising Black Lives Matter at one point. We also had her defending companies, firing people over social media tweets, etc. These types of things, while you can see, at least with the private companies firing people, you can see why that would at least align with libertarian sensibilities and way of thinking. But it does not make sense in the moment to attack that. It doesn't make sense to bring it up because it is a failing issue and if anything should be avoided. The, uh, the tweet about immigration, the, the, uh, the whole post about mask wearing and trying to guilt people to wearing masks by saying it's a good thing, etc., etc., etc. These are lame in the mainstream social media moves that alienate half of the population plus current Libertarian Party members while swaying no one. Meanwhile, the Libertarian Party got away from core messages that will resonate and are unique, unique to libertarianism. They need to be touted all the time because libertarian has ownership of things that the left and the right have ceded over the years. And we can talk about these things in their purest forms, unabashedly and loudly and must do that. Now, those are, and I'm, again, in these, these are things I'm saying we need to hit on, right? Right. And I've intentionally left some things out for the specific reason I mentioned earlier, because they are, in 2021, in this next year, they would be losing causes. And I'll touch on that in a minute. So here's the things that have to be touted all the time. Unapologetic, unqualified opposition to government mandates and government control over personal liberty and economy. The Libertarian Party has not been vocal enough. Now, many of you out there have been. I've seen your tweets. I've seen your message, I've seen your posts. Good. We need to be more vocal all the time in opposition to COVID lockdowns, in the infringements on personal liberty, and the government control of the economy. We have ample proof that government-controlled economies do not function properly. They simply cannot work. And we have ample time now when you have people out of work People whose lives have been destroyed looking for a new home, looking for somebody to champion them and fight for their rights. How about this? Total opposition to the military-industrial complex and never-ending war. The Libertarian Party can make the absolute claiming king-of-the-mountain ownership of this issue. Donald Trump clearly ran on ending never-ending wars, on bringing troops home, on non-intervention and non-dictator uh, sh- you know, dictator flipping uh, regime change. Yet, what did he end up doing? He didn't end up starting wars, but he certainly continued them. He certainly dropped a lot of bombs. He certainly helped out to keeping the status quo in place. The left has completely abandoned their anti-war position, except for notably Tulsi Gabbard, who I suspect will actually come to the Libertarian Party. I know, but I maybe I'm maybe I'm crazy, but I would not be surprised to see it. So you've got The Democrats and Republicans teaming up to never vote against the NDAA, to vote for the Pentagon budget with no qualms whatsoever. You don't have any argument over stripping the president over his right to send people overseas. We saw bills put forward again by Rand Paul and I think it was Rand Paul and, and Gabbard actually teamed up on a bill that tried to rein in war powers in Syria with Bernie Sanders support as well. Of course, it was struck down. The Libertarian Party has to take the strong, vocal, non-stop. I mean, people will talk about the war drums beating constantly. We must beat the drum the opposite way. And this has to be messaging that is driven home. There are a lot of Americans out there who hate war, who are complaining about the money being spent on it. Maybe they want to turn it towards different programs like Tulsi Gabbard, but those people can be allies to us in the short term, and maybe in the long term. The point being, we have to attack issues in which we can make progress with people. Because once we can get them in, once we get people reading, once we get them to see that libertarians aren't these whack jobs they're portrayed to be, people will adopt the philosophy. So how about this uh, next one? Government bailouts and corporate cronyism. Now, this ties in perfectly with the current bill that was passed through, this omnibus spending bill of two point something trillion dollars that went through, despite the fact that Americans get some $600 pittance out of it. And we see bailouts for, you know, Mumbai and Pakistan gender, gender studies for $120 million. People are seeing the government cronyism, they're seeing the pork barrel politics, they're seeing the two major parties team up to leave them in the lurch as they've destroyed their economy and taken away their jobs and their income, and in the meantime, squabble for eight months to give them a pittance and to allocate 80% of that spending bill towards pork products, pork products, pork projects, and pork barrel politics, to pay off the lobbyists, to pay off all their little special interests. The time is now for us to say, this is what we're against. This is what we've always been against. This is the problem with large government cutting in the way of everything and teaming up with corporations. This is the issue with big government cronyism. Now, another issue that we can own is surprisingly enough, the wealth gap and consolidation of political and economic power through cronyism. You have seen... Amazon, Google, Walmart, Target, all the big big box stores out there, they have massively grown because they are the ones that have stayed open. They are the ones that can afford to retrofit their stores, that can go through all the protocols, that can deliver to your door without you ever having to leave the house as they force small businesses to go out of business, as they force restaurants out of business. Now is the time for us to point out what the government does Increase the size of big business and how people on both sides of the aisle have gotten in bed with them. And this always helps to increase the gap. The wealth gap has increased momentously because of government interference, not because of capitalism. Capitalism, as we can point out, has helped raise people out of poverty more than any other system in the world, in the history of the world. But you get capitalism combined. With government, with overregulation, with cronyism, and with bills and laws designed to help the big guy at the detriment of the small businessman, combined with high taxation to stop entry of these businesses into the marketplace. And you have an expanding wealth gap that will continue to get worse unless something is done to even the playing field. Another little bullet, of course. Support for minority and sexual rights. How are we not owning this already? We have an openly gay LP chair. Now, this is where, you'll recall, the bake the cake issue, right? This is why it should be avoided. Because while we can get into the nitty gritty of, well, we support, you know, gay's right to marry. You should be able to do whatever you want with the person that you want to do. As long as you're not infringing on someone else's personal rights, personal property, God bless. God bless. That's the message we need out there. As long as you want to do your own thing and you're not infringing on our rights, God bless. But when you get into the legal ramifications of bake the cake of the Civil Rights Act, that's where people, again, will reject it. So we need to dance around these issues wherever possible. Not because we're afraid of debating them, but because that is a lengthy, long-winded debate that while we will always win, The other side will simply check out before we get there. Before we get anywhere close, they'll check out. Next, total protection and support for private property rights. I don't know what else needs to be said about this. Libertarians and Libertarian Party should have been loud nonstop about the infringement on property rights. I don't care who's doing it. I don't care if Black Lives Matter is angry because George Floyd was murdered. I don't care if they've been over-policed. You cannot use that as an excuse to destroy, to burn, to loot, to kill, to enact violence on other people who have done nothing to you. Period. And we have seen The vast majority of Americans have turned on Black Lives Matter. We've seen the vast majority of Americans do not like any portion of defund the police. Not that we, of course, are necessarily for the funding of the police, but to a a smaller extent, of course, we're for the privatization of the police, which is a good good halfway point. But this is a winning issue for us to talk about. People want to keep the things that they've earned. They want to keep their business. They want to keep their families safe. This also ties in with Second Amendment rights and, of course, First Amendment rights because we're seeing censorship from social media. We're seeing cancel culture. We're seeing government censorship. We're seeing government who, of course, ties in with Google, ties in with Facebook, ties in with all the major social media players, which again needs to be exposed. And the Libertarian Party should be exposing that, as should all of us, expose the ties between government and big companies. But we have always been defenders of free speech. And as you see, cancel culture accelerate. And this is to my point earlier. I had said that we needed to accelerate cancel culture to wake people up as to the dangers of it so that we avoid the boiling frog of people saying, oh, well, you know, that guy was a bad guy. Oh, Alex Jones, he's a crackpot. And they keep purging and they keep purging and they keep purging. We needed to accelerate so people see people they know get purged. People see people they know get fired. People see celebrities that they adore thrown under the bus, no longer working anymore. And that will wake them up. But in the meantime, we will defend free speech. We will defend hate speech. We will defend whatever people have to say, as long as, like I said, as, long as it's not specifically inciting violence, as long as it's not somebody saying, hey, everybody, we're going to get together a lynch mob and go get that guy. We must defend it. And we have to take ownership of that. Ending the drug war, obvious, unabashedly, loudly, nonstop, pointing to studies, pointing to figures, pointing to Portugal, pointing to the places in which we have seen the documented progress of the drug war and talking about its effects, tying it in to the evils of the day, obvious. Just like we're talking about the war drums beating, well, the anti-war drums beating when it comes to the war state, the drug war is something we have to non-stop beat the drug about. We are ahead of this. We've been ahead of the issue for decades, and America is catching up. 70% of people want marijuana legalized. I'm sure many more would like to see the whole gamut legalized or at the very minimum decriminalized but that's something we have to keep the momentum going on, has to be education on. Final couple things. End the Fed. No more end the Fed talk this year. I know, I know. I'm shocked that I'm saying it as well. But again, it is one of those issues that simply does not help us. I'll talk a little bit more of that later. Healthcare, competition, and transparency. We need to talk about healthcare because it is a predominant issue in today's culture. However, people will bring up The fact that libertarians just think that the free market solves everything. Healthcare simply can't be handled that way because of catastrophic, yes, and that, and insurance companies won't take you this and that. We need to tell people that we have always wanted transparency, that we believe in the free market because the free market did take care of everybody back when it was free, that there were different healthcare models before the government and cronyism got in, wormed their way in and forced people into boxes for insurance, stopped across state line competition, got rid of the guilds, they allowed the uh, medical or the... Uh, Oh my God! I'm blanking on the name. The American Medical Association to basically have a monopoly on licensing, which forced small practitioners and alternate agencies out of the business, including those which were practices that talked to, or that catered to unions or neighborhood groups. So again, we have to tell people. There is a better way. And what's happened with the recent legislation that passed, making sure that you can see healthcare pricing at the forefront of this to enable competitiveness, we have to jump on that. It's something that is a difficult argument, and I weighed whether or not we should use it, but I think that it has to be addressed because it is so paramount, especially right now with COVID. And the last thing we need to really accentuate that nobody talks about, guys, the Libertarian Party is a young party. 1960s. This is a party in its infancy. We are growing. And this is something where people might say, well, I don't know about that. You know, do we want to make sure people know it's so young? Yes. Yes, we do. Because the irrelevancy that people attribute to the Libertarian Party can be written off by simply saying, look, we've only been around since the 60s. We're fighting against two of the major parties in America. You try to get a political movement going with so little headway. If you don't have a massive government behind you pushing it and propagandizing the population, good luck. But at the same time, that also gives us, I don't know, a plausible deniability if things don't work. And that is a key that I'm going to get into as well is that we simply don't know if a lot of what we are talking about will work out purely in the real world yet. Now, we've got a lot of examples. We've got Austrian economics, we've got the free market, we've got capitalism to point to, we've got free trade to point to, we've got a lot of very strong basics to go through. But trust me when I tell you that a very powerful message and one of the key takeaways from this will be that it's a different way of doing things that really has not been tried in at least the past hundred years in America. Now, end the Fed, taxation is death, and blind support of corporations' ability to operate despite malfeasance, while useful and pertinent to our thinking, are instant killers in 2021. That's what I was saying before. Now, these are things that are very useful to us. They are great. They are powerful. Ron Paul was able to have success with end the Fed and the messaging there. It was ch- I was at his rallies where it was chanted and cheered, but he didn't get there by yelling end the Fed at people. Why? Because it is a confusing box to unpack for most Americans. Even if they're intelligent, it takes some explaining. And when Ron Paul and debates would go into ending the Fed and go into the gold standard fiat currency, he would lose more people than he would gain in those minutes. Where he made his inroads was on what? Powerful anti-war pro-freedom messaging, predominantly anti-war messaging. So while you may not agree with me on whether or not we should really make a rallying cry of the Fed still, taxation is theft, I also think is something that instantly just alienates 50% of the population. You can't start with that. You can work it in a conversation later. You can discuss with people different ways in which the government is misusing your tax dollars, which is why we at Lions of Liberty created the taxation is death you know, T-shirts and mugs because we feel that is a far better way to express what we are thinking than taxation is theft because people can argue to the end of their breath. We've seen it happen between leftists and libertarians, non-stop in debates. They tend to lose those debates, but at the same time, they don't realize they've lost them because they will not, they will not acknowledge that point. But you cannot disavow or uh, or not to sever. You should. You cannot simply sweep away taxation being death. When you look at the death and destruction that the United States has wrought, and other countries across the world have wrought with your tax dollars. An uh, additional one more thing about end the Fed in twenty twenty one coming out of twenty twenty. The government has destroyed people's businesses. We all know that. But at the same time, talking about ending the Fed, talking about inflation and bailouts, at this point in time, when it comes to money printing, is going to just land like a wet turd. Because people are looking for the government to send the money. They don't care. They don't care right now about the inflationary costs of that. They don't care that their children are going to be in trillions of dollars of debt. We care about that. The average person we're trying to reach does not, does not behoove us in the near term to really let this be a a prominent message because the the debt's been going up for decades and decades and decades. We have the national debt clock. clock. You just don't really hear people give a, a damn about it. Okay, and, and you know the gr- corporate greed and malfeasance thing as well. It's something where in the COVID era and the cancel culture era, it's hard to defend. Corporations and say they should be able to do what they want to do nonstop or, or unabashedly without any sort of repercussion or government oversight. We can get into that, but again, it is a conversation that's far too long, it takes way too much unpacking as to why, as to how we got here, as to governments and corporations being tied in, and how we report. You know, we support personal private governments and or personal private businesses, but not if they have X, Y, and Z. It's too difficult to explain. Let people find that on their own and. Contextually, they'll come to understand it in their own time. Okay. How about this? That was the first step. 37 minutes. I know it's going to be long guys. So hopefully you are not bored. Hopefully you're getting a lot out of this and not checking out. But speaking of things you have to check out, I want you to do me a favor. Go check out Zipix nicotine infused toothpicks. These are awesome. I'm chewing on right now. I'm chewing a peppermint watermelon. I got to tell you, I have had so much fun <laughs> Just trying different flavors, suck it on them to get that little buzz. It's got the good hand to mouth, you know, just like, just like if you're smoking a cigarette, which I'm not a regular smoker, but I like to smoke when I drink. So instead of smoking my drink now, I have a toothpick. I have friends that have gone wild for them. (laughs) I mentioned last year, literally had a buddy come to my door and uh, and ask me if he could bum some of mine because he was waiting for his to come in the mail and he loved them so much because they're just, they're fun. You look like a badass. They taste delicious. You get that little buzz and really I've I've take them and I leave them. I don't get addicted. I'm not. Uh, I haven't had any crazy cravings to con- nonstop chew these things. But if you are somebody that vapes or chews or smokes, this is going to help you. For those of you out there that just want a little bit of nicotine, a little bit of buzz to keep you going late at night, keep you partying, that's great for that. But if you are a heavy smoker, heavy heavy uh, chewer, whatever it might be, or if you're a vapor who's had your government take away all your vape flavors. Check out Zipix Toothpicks. They were developed in a lab. They are FDA registered, and they have been a, a sponsor for the show for the last couple of months. So I would really appreciate you guys going to zipixtoothpicks.com and use promo code LION to get 10% off your order. Help your old buddy out. Go check them out. I guarantee you are going to love them. Again, that's Zipix Toothpicks, Z I P P I X Toothpicks.com. Use promo code LION. All right, now back into the show. All right, so we went through the do's and don'ts. Now let's get into some of these things, addressing some of the earlier issues I mentioned. You know, the problems with the LP, the image of being uncaring, out of touch with reality, fundamentally uncool, if you will, I have addressed in a section that I have called Make Liberty Likeable. Now, this is actually a theme of a speech that I had uh, I gave one time in a short form at the Los Angeles Libertarian uh, Convention, uh, as invited by the lovely Angela Mcardle, who was here and a, a friend of ours. But I was going to give a longer talk, and actually planning on presenting this at the Austrian Free Market Roadshow, which got canceled because of COVID. But the point being, libertarians have a very uncool, very unlikable reputation. You know, the joke I made before when I had people in an audience was, look to your left, look to your right. Nobody likes you. Kind of like the old college thing. One of the two, you'll fail this class. Except we all fail because nobody likes us. And likability, as we've seen in every presidential election, as we've seen in virtually everything in life, likability goes a long way. Now, why are we so uh, unlikable? Well, again... People view us as out of touch with reality. People view us as know it alls. People view us as uh, slugabouts. <laughs> but we can fix this. So, a couple of different sections out of touch. We have a very real modern day instances to showcase that we have always been in touch with reality. And the things that we have warned about have come true. Authoritarian government. Check. Government spying on citizens 24 7. Check. Massive corporations getting power via government cronyism regulations, check. Economic control and suspension of all basic rights, check. Spiraling debt that will undercut currency and spending for the most vulnerable, check. And the key part of that is undercut spending for the most vulnerable, by the way. I'll come back to that in a moment. A government that lies to its people regularly, check. Again, pointing out just how often Trump lies by the current media, Invites us to invite invites us to uh, tempt them with the facts of how often the government lies all the time, and the press secretary is virtually just lie master in chief. A never-ending war state. Check. We have to remind people gently, but constantly and powerfully that we have been right. Not arrogantly, mind you. There's a difference there. The libertarian know it all is an obnoxious stereotype that happens to be true. When we argue with people, when we talk to people, we cannot talk down to them. We can't be condescending. We can't be dismissive. We have to talk to people on an interpersonal level. We have to relate to them with things they can understand and not just throw factoids, not throw Miesian philosophy, not throw Rothbard quotes at them because it is unbelievably ineffective. We have to tell them we're right gently not shaming them but simply stating the truth and giving examples now the concept of libertarians being uncaring is also one that damages us unbelievably when it comes to talking to the common person we have people non-stop saying well libertarians I mean I just this when I had um oh like an honest name uh, I had, I had an author on my show who did a book uh basically a philosophy on the left and the right and getting into politics in the current era, but we had a discussion and in the book it said, well, you know, libertarians, they just happy to see people die, you know, and this is a stereotype that has been propagated and pushed through by everyone on the left and the right forever, since we've been founded, since this party came into existence, since the concepts existed before the party came into existence. Libertarians and our philosophy is very easily manipulated to make it look as though we're willing to cast people aside on the altar of capitalism and the free market in personal greed could not be further from the truth. We need to highlight the good that we do via Donor C, for example, who we, we've we been regularly giving 10% of our profits from, um, and they do fantastic you know, work you can look at and examine. Libertarian-run charity. But we need to highlight the work that we do that's good and also the way in which we view human interaction and how that is targeted. Our philosophies are targeted at helping people, not just helping ourselves, but helping the broader humanity. Now, how can we talk about this? Well, number one, as I mentioned earlier, capitalism's impact on poor populations and the virtual elimination of extreme poverty in the world. Since capitalism and free trade have rolled out. We have seen, well, or a version of free trade, but predominantly capitalism has rolled out. There is less than 10% of extreme poverty in the world. There used to be, as recently as something like 20 or or 25 years ago, 50 plus percent extreme poverty. We've seen countries like China, we've seen all the countries in Africa, all the countries in the Middle East rise out of that extreme poverty with very few exceptions. That is our philosophy. Capitalism, allowing people to trade goods and services, allow them to financially benefit from their work and their labor. Two, how much government regulation and tax burdens hurt poor people and minorities trying to get into business. Now, we can see examples of that. You can see some examples of government regulations as introduced by, well, Ron Paul had an idea and Rand Paul introduced it, but- these tax-free zones or tax-friendly zones where they are in economically distressed populations. Again, these are pretty much minority communities wherein they are given a much lower threshold that they need to surpass and much lower tax burdens to start a business. We are the party of entrepreneurship. We are the party of business. And that doesn't mean we're the party of big business like the Republicans and the Democrats are. We are the party of getting people into their own shops, creating, right? That is what we are about as libertarians. We are about enabling people to create. And everybody can see the writing on the wall, government regulation, tax burdens hurt poor, hurt entrepreneurs, hurt small businesses. The next thing about, how about the drug war? Libertarian party and libertarians own the drug war issue which has destroyed families of color, predominantly black and Hispanic, but of course all colors. You know, White people are wrapped up in this too. The, the meth heads out in the, uh, out in the sticks. But we have fought this from the very beginning. There is virtually no other example of a constant in American life that is, that is bigger than the drug war that has destroyed families, incarcerated individuals, and infringed on personal liberty. Own it. Our opposition to the drug war isn't because we want to do drugs. It is because we see the unbelievable human toll that it has taken by virtue of our tax dollars. Not only is taxation death from over-policing, for people that have died in the drug war, peaceful, people that have overdosed because of the prohibition put on this. So there's no quality control nor public view of what they are buying or the purity of that the prison industrial complex which of course runs based upon the policing and over policing of communities to keep the prisons full on these minor infringements that for the most part are nonviolent. so we can talk about how we care more than anybody on either side about people in the issue that affects the most people and especially people of color so for all the woke messaging out there we are the ones that have been correct on the issue that impacts the most people of color in America. Not only that, but some of the petty things that people get on us for opposition to parking tickets, opposition to seatbelt laws and helmet laws, all these other things. We also can position that as a caring position because the people that tend to end up paying those tickets. The people that end up going to jail for those tickets are minorities, are the poor, are the vulnerable, who can't pay a $50 parking ticket that then quadruples into a $250 parking ticket with a warrant attached. Now they go to jail. Now their child's placed in foster care. Now they don't have a parent anymore. These are caring positions. Another one that we have to talk about, getting into education spending, getting into spending on poverty, These sound like uncaring positions to say that we need to cut back on education spending, that we need to defund public police or public uh, teachers unions, that we need to defund and emphasize vouchers and school choice. But these are also positions based upon caring. And the key to this, as usual, is targeting minority groups because that's all anybody talks about, the underprivileged minority groups. Now, there are vast amounts of white children that are in the same situation. But when we're talking about messaging in 2021, pointing out, as Thomas Sowell does so so fantastically and has his new book, you know, Charter Schools and Their Enemies, talking about this exact thing, when it comes to education, when it comes to school choice, black families, Hispanic families, et cetera, are the ones that benefit the most from this. So we need to talk about how education spending is really, it's something like top 10 or 12 in the entire world, as far as what we spend per student. And on top of that, we have quadrupled spending on poverty over the past you know, two decades, and it has achieved a positive net result of zero. The poverty rate stayed the exact same in America. So it's time to look at different ways of operating. It's not That we're callous. It's not that we don't care. It's that it's insane to simply do the exact same thing, to throw more money at something that has zero net benefit instead of looking at different ways in which we can handle these issues to give people more opportunity to succeed. All right, and the final thing to wrap up this little section is that we care, and we have seen the demonstrated, the repeated and unchanging failure of virtually every system run by government in in today's America, and we simply, like I said, want to try a different way. And that is a key point to what I'm saying to you guys today. We need to emphasize I've had the most success by saying, look, we don't want to tear down America. We don't want to start from scratch. We don't want an anarchy society. Not yet, anyway. <laughs> But as far as we're concerned with messaging in the near term, we simply want to try a different way. We don't want to completely upset the apple cart. We don't want to leave anybody in the lurch. We're not going to kick people out on the streets right away, but we need to try a different approach. Would you be open to that? And if you're not open to that, can you give me any reason why? Because I can give you 50 examples of failures that have been doubled down on, quadrupled down on, 6 down on, that have consistently provided no benefit to the intended population except to further, in, further deepen their feet in the muck and keep them in that quagmire. All right, next topic, fundamentally uncool. This is going to be a long episode, by the way, guys, but I'm just going to power through it. I'm going to try to go faster. Fundamentally uncool. This is a little bit of a harder nut to crack, but we're seeing a new generation of libertarians come in that have social media chops. They aren't the sea mutants of old, and they have some personal communication skills. Us, for example. Yes, we at the Lions of Liberty. Handsome, personal, and beloved, but also effective communicators. We've got people like Eric July, we've got Dave Smith, we've got Dan Smots, who did a great job, even though it was with Joe Jorgensen campaign, but because of some fantastic spots also for Vermin. You know, ways of communicating that are engaging, that are visually stimulating, that are potent and punchy. We've got uh, Joe Rogan, who's libertarian-ish out there. You've got Michael Malice out there with his abundant Twitter trolling that's been highly effective, uh, intelligent way of communicating. We've got the newly outspoken, the Vince Vaughn's, the Kurt Russell's, Rob Schneider coming out. Now, when we embrace the messaging of caring or of trying a new, well-vetted way of thinking, we can go a long way because we're getting rid of those connotations that were negative before that immediately peg people as, well, that guy's a callous jerk. You know, he's just in his basement reading all day. He doesn't care about anybody. He's just, you know, he's embedded in his books. We need to get out there if we get rid of this uncaring philosophy or if we get rid of this uncaring uh, connotation, if we get rid of the out-of-touch connotation, we'll have more people open to coming to our side, to speaking out, to taking a chance and say, yeah, I'm libertarian. Here's the other thing to remember, guys. Libertarians are the ultimate fighters. We are the rebels. We had hashtag resistance coming from the left when they're resisting a man. they're resisting the guy who's the outsider to put in a 45-year-old political veteran, a doddering old coot, who has done more to harm black people that they say they care about than anybody else, uh, virtually in history, the exception of the Clintons. And, of course, the, the civil wars and the slave owners. I can't say in history. That's a little bit stupid. But you know what I'm saying. They've, everybody wants to be the rebel. Everybody wants to be fighting for a cause, and against the establishment. We are that. We own it. Embrace the battle mantle. We are fighting for the nation and everyone in it. Everyone else is staying in their lane, coloring in the lines, literally red or blue, while we are challenging the way in which everything is understood. And that's the thing. A fundamental reboot of the way people understand liberty and what we are talking about and how they view the world. To do this, we need more presence in media, in music, in entertainment. The left, and to some smaller degree the right, own entertainment. We need more content creators. We need more writers. We need more actors. We need more musicians. We do not need more podcasters. (laughs) Please, no more podcasters. It's a saturated medium. But, you know, I just did my latest episode of Do Nothing Man, my libertarian superhero. You can listen to that. If you go to join uh, our our pride, patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty, you can see what I'm trying to do. And I put these out publicly and there's granted, I have I'm going to have to retool those a little bit because they're a little bit too, too deep in that superhero motif. But at the meantime, I'm also writing other things. I also have other series I'm working on that are not libertarian, but They are going to have libertarian themes. And at the same time, my goal isn't necessarily to be libertarian guy Brian does X. My idea is to become a influencer, become a content creator in the broader spectrum who is a libertarian, to try to bring people over to realizing this guy's hilarious. This guy's creating this interesting content. He's creating, you know, we have our Bravo and Beer Show, which is completely not libertarian. What it is, is really funny. And people look into who's behind it and they see libertarians who they never thought would be funny, who they never thought would be able to host a a reality TV review show. This is the type of thing I'm talking about. More content, more publicly viewable people that are out there, that are likable, that are engaging, that are creating, that are leading. And that goes for business as well. We need more business leaders. Overall, the liberty movement is utterly weak when it comes to leadership and publicly viewed leaders that are inspirational to the public at large. That has to change. All right, next point. Uh, All right, we need to take big swings, right? This is overall, we have to go bigger. John Odermatt said this recently, and he nailed it. The LP has been kowtowing too long to the two big indoctrinated parties and the people that have been brainwashed by them with weak piggybacking messaging. Counterpoint messaging is messaging, but it's not as effective because you're still responding to something. You are still not the leader. We need to lead. We need to own issues. We need to be highly aggressive. We need to be principled and unapologetic in how we communicate those principles. When we're right on an issue, we have to take these big swings as zero Fs given. When we're right on it, attack it with no mercy. End all the wars. Now, end them now. We, I don't care if the places that we leave are gonna, there's gonna be a, a gap and the, uh, there's a, a power a power vacuum. Look, I don't care. Get out. We've been there too long. We shouldn't have been there in the first place. Sorry, we're gone. What happens, happens there now. We're not going to do it again. Lesson learned. End the drug war. We can look to Portugal. We can see the damage it's done here. Ended now. Ruined a generation of black families, period. How about Obama and Trump should be prosecuted for war crimes, what they did in Yemen? Why are we not in the forefront? stating what they've done, stating the deaths, stating what's happened to children there at the behest of the American government with the express express permission of the American government funded by your tax dollars. <coughs> Take big swings. The left has been doing this for years. This is why they're able to convert people. This is why they have a a, a wild wing of rabid young people that are willing to go along with whatever nonsense they're putting out there about Tearing down all the buildings and, you know, the climate, Green Deal. We have to get people converted. We have to say, this is our principles. These are the things we believe in. And we do not give a damn if you don't agree with them. This has to be done. This is the way. End all individual taxation. But then you can have the conversation. You can come back from that. Doesn't necessarily... Now, like I was saying earlier... We don't necessarily say these things have to happen right now, but this is what we believe. This is the end goal. And in the interim, let's try a different approach. Let's, let's work on something where we both can win, but try a different approach. All right, next, I want to talk a little bit about indoctrination. Because this is something that, wow, well, we libertarians view this as a negative right? But we only view it as a negative. And this is something really important, by the way. this is Actually, the concept of this is what spurred this whole show. So hopefully people make it to this point. Maybe I should have started with this, but you got to lay the groundwork, people. But we view indoctrination as a negative because to us it is. And that's because we see others being indoctrinated through the schools, through universities, through, through churches, etc., And it pisses us off because we aren't doing it on any level that makes an impact leftists' own academia and the media, righties' own religion. Now, libertarians can make inroads in some of these, but there exists an opportunity that both the left and the right have seized via education and charity. Now, this is where I look at the the libertarian party, and I mentioned this at the top of the show, but I look at the money they take in, which is not that much, and I look at the ways it could be spent smarter and far more effectively. And that comes in education and charity. Instead of spending money on local races that probably still don't have much chance of winning, that money should be ported into regional education initiatives and classically unlibertarian, i.e. Pr- probably going to be minorities, for the most part, communities. But could be white, could be whatever, wherever there's opportunity to reach people that need help, that need education, that need a financial backing, that need or a, a financial background, an understanding of taxes, an understanding of business, and an understanding of looking at the world through a different lens, we have an opportunity there, right? While these local races are winnable, they said, most of them are lost and the money is completely wasted providing no benefit because a local ad campaign, all right, well, maybe some people see it, But if they see your ad on TV and they still think you're some libertarian loser, has it benefited? No. It's just money thrown down the toilet. Meanwhile, as mentioned earlier, Donald Trump turned two times the minorities around than any other GOP candidate from both sexes this cycle. The LP is white, straight, and male predominantly. If we have Education initiatives, nonprofits that will go in, focus primarily on Austrian economics, business guidance, business strategy, tax guidance, and entrepreneurialism. We can give people a concrete basis, especially those undereducated populations, a concrete basis for people to find tangible leadership, assistance, and an understanding of libertarian principles. During classes you could have, you could have people go in, you could have, again, seminars on tax law, seminars on just basic business principles on starting a business, running a business, how to handle and market it, branding initiatives, et cetera. And this is something, honestly, the lines of liberty, we've been been debating doing something like this on our own. So we'll see how it comes with time, but um, that's something we're working on. But you could have lessons in libertarian philosophy as well. Don't have to force them down people's throats. But if you're giving people real help to get a business going, to get their to get their finances in order, they're going to be open to the other things that you want to teach them. I mean, look, we've got examples of this. We've got Christianity going and building, you know, t- building churches with their uh, <laughs> with their uh, missionary groups. God, it took me a minute to think of that. It really is driving me nuts. But he yeah, had missionaries going over, you know, they build the churches, they teach them how to farm and all that stuff that they might not know how to do. They'd bring them some uh, some tradable goods and then they would convert them. Habitat for humanity for the left, how about that? You know, you're going out there, you're building someone's house, some minority family, and now, oh, they're converted. They want to be leftists, you've helped them out. The same concept applies. We can win with people of all ages here too because people that want to start a business, people that need help financially, people that just need basic le- lessons in leadership and how to get ahead and how to keep their life organized Those are things that people coming out of college, that are in high school, that are 45 and looking for a new start, all of those things are of interest. And if you're providing tangible resources for those people, and you maybe even back it with micro loans to these people, they are going to view libertarians as a resource for help, of knowledge, and of interest, saying no one else has come in here and really done this for us. I've had these people read all wrong all along. But not only that, Because when you have success in this region, right? Let's say you have some success stories. Let's say you help somebody out that starts a business. They are going to tell everyone they know how they started that business. Libertarians came in, helped me, taught me how to do it, helped me get it up, helped me file my papers, helped me avoid the taxes, helped me get my business up and running, taught me how to do branding, helped me with advertising. Now I got a business. Everybody has to go talk to these people. And... You also have people that are enticed to double down as leaders in that community. Now they're business leaders. Now they're maybe they take it a step farther. Now they're getting involved in the party. Now they, because you have helped them in that community, now they want to teach other people. So you can continue this trend and grow it from there, wherein now we're doing nothing. Now we're supporting local races for, you know, mostly white people out in the middle of nowhere in local races and getting nothing out of it. Instead here, you're starting a movement. We're pushing back against the ownership of education, the ownership of, uh, you know, of, of taxation or whatever it might be for the GOP, you know, this angle of being pro-business. Libertarians need to own creative entrepreneurship. We need to own getting in, telling people how they can better their lives. And by virtue of that, they will accept libertarian philosophy. We can start a movement from the ground up by this tactic. Not only that, once you have people that have success stories, we now have media stories that can be covered by local media. You have media stories to be covered by national media. You now have people that are more interested in giving the Libertarian Party their money, whereas before, I don't know, I'm I'm a $25 member. Great. Am I enticed to give more than that? Not really. I, don't, I really don't care about helping you know, local races. I really don't care about funding what I view as completely inconsequential and weak messaging. But if there were projects going on, if there was a charitable arm of the LP that was going out there and doing this type of educational work that was going out and helping people, that I could see the tangible benefit, that I could see a sea change happening in communities, well, maybe then I'd give a hell of a lot more money because now I'm enticed. Now I'm seeing return on my investment, where before I'm seeing it thrown in the garbage. So that's the indoctrination section. Now I'm just going to wrap it up. Look at that, hour and seven. I did a good job of getting through these last couple sections, guys. So to wrap it up, here's the key takeaways. Number one, take big swings. Like we talked about. Aim for the fences with the messaging. Loudly, proudly, unapologetically, and principled. No wishy-washy piggybacking. No trying to appease the the Black Lives Matter crew with weak, you know. Oh, wait, please, come look at us too. No, it doesn't do any good. Take big swings. Keep to the principles of libertarian philosophy. Two, expose truth over narrative. Now, this is both in personal LP messaging and in the media. Government own what we have been in front of. Own the positioning. Own the drug war. Own the war state. Own business. Own entrepreneurship. Point out the truth in what we have done, what we believe, and where media and government are getting it wrong and how they have screwed the American population. Improve the likability and caring matrix. I went on about that long enough. You get it merge into the mainstream no more lying in your libertarian pools scum ponds at the bottom of the lake you know you and the uh <laughs> you and the rotten log we need to get merged into mainstream we need to get people out there creating mainstream content try it you might be good at it youtube twitter TikTok, whatever it might be, if you got an itching to do something, go do it. Be creative. Get out there. It doesn't have to be liberty centric. Keep that as your dirty liberty holly, your dirty liberty hobby. Excuse me, that you sneak off to the bathroom for. But in the mainstream, if you can do something impactful, if you can. Be a business leader, if you can be a content creator, if you can be a musician, if you're out there and you're an actor and you get some acclaim, good. Don't force libertarians on people, but just being out there, being in the mainstream, being somebody that people can see and go, oh, that guy's libertarian, huh? Huh? That is very powerful. We can improve libertarian by association, if you will. And the last thing, this is the way. Take a chance on trying something different. This is the messaging that I feel we need to lead with. We're not trying to reboot the system. We do not want the Great Reset. What we want is to try something different. You don't have to give up eating steak I just want you to try a different season. I want you to cut your meat a little bit differently. Instead of trying to bite it with your teeth and rip off chunks, I want you to use a fork and a knife and try it a different way. And I guarantee it'll be a bigger benefit to you and everybody else in this country. And at this point, you have nothing to lose. Try it a different way. We care. We're trying to help people. and We have the same goals in mind, which is raising up humanity we have to try something different because what we have tried has not worked. And again, to reemphasize this as well, my friends, trying this something new, trying this something intangible but comprehensible is inspiration. We have to achieve a type of religious concept that we have an end goal in mind. That end goal is prosperity, It is peace, it is freedom, and it is everyone being fed, everyone being housed, but it will not happen by virtue of government interaction, regulation, and control. It will happen by virtue of human beings, free trading, being able to prosper, being able to trade, being able to live their lives in the most freest possible sense while respecting each other, and we are only going to get there by virtue of our own initiatives not by government handout, not by government mandate. We can have the heaven here on earth. We can get it back, but we're not going to get there unless we start doing things differently. All right, there you go, guys. Like I said, it's an overview, but them's my thoughts. Those are what I think could be, those are the things I think need to be accentuated. Those are the things I think need to be changed. These are the initiatives that I think need to be undertaken that will aid us both in creating a groundswell movement and in aiding us in public perception of the libertarian brand. There you have it. If you like it, please share it. As mentioned, please uh, come back at me if you have thoughts uh, at Brian McWilliams, as always. And we'll see what 2020 brings, everybody. I'm feeling a little bit more positive about it. I think that we've got some good people that are uh, are trying to do good things within the movement right now. And uh, I'm hearing a lot of rumblings of things in the works, which are very exciting. So yours truly here will also be fighting the fight. So for me, Brian McWilliams from the Lions of Liberty, including Mark with his show on Monday's flagship Lions of Liberty program and John Odermat with... Oh, well, I don't know what to call this show well you'll just have to wait and see uh, some exciting news coming out from that front as well. but anyway, from the lines of Liberty from Electric Liberty Land always stay plugged in to Liberty.